We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, this is Mary Jo with the Building Through Him podcast, Jesus Conversations. Today, our theme is Springs in the Desert, and I'm joined by one of the founders of Springs in the Desert, Ian Koshut, and one of their team members, Stacy Hunick. And we're just going to go ahead and begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for these beautiful daughters, for all the daughters that you are raising up to lead, to comfort, and to inspire. We just ask your mother to come just to cover us with your mantle and to raise us to the women that you designed us to be. We ask your mother's intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Anne, thank you for being here, first of all. Thank you for having us. And Stacy, thank you for being here. Thank you, Mary Jo. It's great to be here. So, Tell us, Anne, a little bit about your ministry, Springs in the Desert. Well, Springs in the Desert is a Catholic infertility ministry. And as you were praying so beautifully when we started those words, daughter and and woman that we are meant to be, just hit me so powerfully because that is really, I think, in a way, the impetus toward myself and my friend Kimberly Henkel starting Springs in the Desert. It began through our own difficulties and challenges with infertility. And I think when especially a woman is dealing with infertility, and as it goes on, if it goes on for months and even years in our cases, it can be hard to see ourselves as daughters right. of God. Right. Our identity as women can be challenged. And so we started Springs in the Desert as a way to help with our own healing Mm -hmm. through the cross of infertility, but also to walk with other women and men who are facing this difficult suffering and to just really show them that they are daughters, they are sons of God and and just so beloved by him and that their marriages are good. So that that is really the core of our mission is to offer spiritual and emotional support and accompaniment to women and couples who are facing this difficult challenge of infertility. That is beautiful. I know one of the most common lies that we have found when we're praying with people is the lie that Satan says you are alone. You know, it's like in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I am alone. And so I love that this ministry just raises up the awareness to know you're not alone. Like you're surrounded by all these people who want to love and support you right where you're at. So Stacy, how did you find out about Springs of the Desert? What's what's been your part in this? <laughs> oh, that's a funny story. So oh, we love funny stories. <laughs> Bring it on. It's a good one. It's good. a good one. Yeah. So I was I was looking for support through our infertility journey, not finding a lot outside of like, like 
healthcare treatment and things, right. which is needed and good. So I remember someone telling me to to find a support group and they they sent me a link to a support group and the topic was things that I knew went against my faith and and pr- like procedures that um, were contrary to what I believed in. And so I, I knew it wasn't the place for me to find spiritual support. Right. And so the only thing I could really grasp at was there's these Facebook support group pages and they can they can be helpful, but they can also sometimes become this like sort of echo chamber of grief. Right, right. And so I I would share things about like, you know, the the Lord's invitation to suffering and, and motherhood and 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 those kinds of things. And uh, one of our team members, Allie, she was on the same page and she saw what I had posted and, and reached out to me and she was like Hey, um, <laughs> you don't know me, but I think you should be involved with Springs in the Desert. And she's earned the title stalker. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah. yeah so uh, she set me up uh, with Ann and Kimberly, and we had a phone call, and they invited me to write because back then it was in 2019, it was just a blog. Okay. And so I wrote this piece called Finding Fatherhood and in Infertility. Mm. And I remember reading that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and that's sort of where it started, and and Springs has grown crazy since then. Like we've just been blessed by the Lord, just sort of taking hold of the ministry and to grow as a team, and just to to be able to like have the privilege and honor of walking along many many couples who struggle with infertility. That's so, beautiful, and it's grown in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Can we just like <laughs> praise the Holy Spirit for that? Because like when you're looking for confirmation. And you see something that grows in the midst of where nothing is fertile. It's like, mm. that's Jesus, right? Mm. He's here and he blesses this effort. So that is so beautiful. So why do you feel like, Anne, the infertility is something that the church really needs to turn her attention to? Like beyond the garden, the guidance, like what what would be your your answer to like a priest who's like, why do I need to talk about this? That's a great question, and actually something that we often get from pastors. They might say, well, there's really no one in my parish who is dealing with infertility. I think— <laughs> They don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they don't know. And, you know, God bless our priests. Sure. My, my brother is a priest, so I know, you know, right. how much they have on their plates. I think sometimes they— they just might not be thinking of it. It might not be sort of on their radar, even if they see a couple come week after week on their own. But I think in a lot of cases, too, they just simply don't know what to say. They don't know if it's okay to approach a couple. And and if they are approached, oftentimes they fumble around for the words. And one of the things that we try to make, not only pastors, but even our doctors, our family members, people in our parishes aware of, is that this struggle with infertility is so difficult and isolating, and there's a certain amount of shame associated with it. There should not be. Right. But when you're in it, especially when you go to church and you see families all around you, you sort of feel like you're not living up to to the Catholic ideal, or you're not living up to what God is is calling all of us to. And so, 
people can have a tendency to want to give us solutions. Right. And priests included. Mm-hmm. And they they want to just take away the pain, which is such a beautiful and noble and wonderful thing. But one of the things that we try to talk about through our ministry is that suffering is a part of our lives. We, we don't like it. If, if there's any way that we can alleviate it, we want to find those pathways. Right. But for someone who's dealing with infertility, what we need most is presence. Mm. We don't need a listing of all the things that we can do to, to make conception happen. What we most need is for people to just be with us in that suffering. And that's really hard, whether right. it's infertility or any other kind of loss. It's hard to be with people in suffering. That's truly what we need the most. Right. It's that um, going in and honoring someone's discomfort, you know, being with them in that place. And it is. It's like people are like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever the discomfort is, like they just want to pretend like that doesn't exist. Let's just not talk about it. It's like actually you need to enter into it because that's like the Holy Spirit calling us to that. That's beautiful. The other thing I was thinking about is so often as a church, there's so much focus on the soul. Right. And which is good, right? Our soul is we we, we want to keep our prayer and sacraments and like so grow in the graces and the holiness um, that God is calling us to. But there's not a lot of focus on the body and the mind, you know, and we are created with all three. We are body, mind, and soul. And God loves all three pieces of it and they all work together, right? We can't just say, we're just gonna look at the soul. It's like, um, actually, we're all three of those. You can't just hurt the arm and say, Well, you need to pray harder. It's like, um, no, we're all of those things. And God loves all of those things. And so, like, you bringing attention to this, I love that. In Kingdom Builders, we talk a lot about, like, our financial planning and, you know, our physical health. Like, it's it's all of the things because all of those things impact us. When you can't make a house payment, you're not going to be super happy. You know, it's like all of that stuff that surrounds us impacts us who we are and even, like, what we're able to give to the church. So I love that the focus um, is on the body, the mind, and the soul here. You know, that's really beautiful. So how do you feel like, Stacey, people listening to this, maybe they're not struggling with infertility, and they're like, okay, what can they do to, like, better support the women or couples dealing with infertility? I think the first step is to listen, and that means— just listening. Amen. (laughs) Um, I don't know how to better say that (laughs) than I think that the next step, or maybe if listening isn't a possibility because that person, like, has other people that they're sharing their struggles with, which is totally legitimate, to pray. Mm. To pray for those couples in an intentional way. Right. And also give them space for grief. Right. To not try to fix it. And to be okay with it. And and sometimes to be willing to process your own grief. Yeah. Because a lot of times, it's not just the couple who's going through it, but it's, you know, the 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 family that wants to be aunts and uncles, that wants to be grandparents, right. that the pastor that wants to baptize their children, the neighbor that wants friends for their kids, and so on. They all also have grief to process. That's so true. Yes. Um, so, so like, recognize your own grief mm-hmm. and and to to process that, and then and then give space for listening. But don't don't feel like you have to force anybody to share anything that they're not prepared to. Right. 
I would I like when Anne was saying just being present with them. Is there any specific any any more advice, Anne, that you would to add to what Stacy said? Yeah, I I think that is such an important piece to talk about the grief because you know oftentimes those of us who are dealing with infertility we we don't acknowledge that it's a real loss mm-hmm. we don't acknowledge that it is something to be grieved that was certainly my story even after founding springs in the desert it it was probably nearly a year in that i finally kind of looked inside and said oh my gosh this is a real loss that is to be is to be grieved we can feel as if we don't have a right to that grief, especially for those of us who have never been pregnant. And then we say, well, you know, what, what have we lost? And so it is important for, for others, but also for those who are going through it to acknowledge that grief. But I wanted to pick up on what Stacy was saying in terms of how other people can walk with us. Mm-hmm. And I think acknowledging the grief is very important, but also not just focusing on the grief. The worst thing that I think we can experience is for others to look at us with that sort of mournful, pathetic, pitying look. Right, right. So there's this loss, it's hard, it's a challenge, but we are still married. We have this relationship with each other. We are, you know, building a life together. We are trying to help each other get to heaven. And that is good. And so when I would say for anybody, if it's in your family or a pastor with someone in your congregation, you know, be with them in the suffering, but also acknowledge and affirm the goodness of each one of them as individuals and together as a couple, because our marriages in this struggle are powerful witnesses to Christ's love in the world and powerful witnesses to faithfulness, because it really does take a toll on marriage um, when you're going through this suffering. But when you are sticking it out and moving forward, what a witness to faithfulness. Right. In Psalms, there's a psalm that says, God mounts his throne to shouts of joy. And so often in my prayer, I find like I'm just crying and begging and pleading, like I'm a slave, you know, and it's like, uh uh-uh, like I'm a daughter of the king, you know, only a child gets to wake up the king in the middle of the night for a glass of water. If that's who I am, then why am I begging and pleading like a, a slave. It's like, that's not who I am. And so to be able to like, when I'm making my request to God, to be able to do it with joy. And I think the joy is so often overlooked in our faith. So we, how many times have you heard like, offer it up, offer it up. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, right, there's suffering in this in this world for sure. Like we know that and we can offer that up, but also like joy, right? The Lord came, Jesus said, like, I came that your joy may be complete, not so your family may be complete. You may have, you know, this many kids. It's like he wants to bring us joy. And so, like when you were saying, when you were looking through some, when people are just talking about their struggle, like to stay in that grief. It's like also to be able to look and see this is the joy here. You know, mm-hmm. this is how I found joy here, and to be able to talk about the things that bring us joy, which then like increases our faith and the joyfulness of others. So. Stacy, what do you feel like, what are some of the lies that someone with infertility is tempted to hear the most? That 
I think as a woman that I'm not enough mm-hmm. or maybe maybe am I really a woman if if motherhood or if if like getting pregnant is what is what is like the supreme manifestation right, of being right. a woman. I mean that's not what it is. Right, right. But it can feel like well, you know, what am I then? Where's my identity? Right. Because it's so easy to, I think, to lean into that sure. as your identity. And so, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm not enough or uh, my marriage is worthless. Right. Because if there's no, like, tangible fruit in the in terms of, like, children, mm-hmm. then what's the point of my marriage? Because mm-hmm. the church says you must be open to life and... And what about you? Like, lies yeah. that you feel like people with infertility would struggle with? Yeah, this is something that we will sometimes get an email or message about, and that is, if it weren't for me, my husband would be a father. In other words, if he mm. had married someone else, he he would probably be a father by now. We've also heard from men who have said, maybe I should divorce my wife because then she could go and find someone else and be able to have a family. So that lie that that even without children, you can't be happy. Right. This marriage can't be successful. This other person cannot accept me in my woundedness, my brokenness. Or I am that unlovable. That is... Mm. Yes, exactly. I mean, that that is such a lie from the devil that really can can end up breaking up a marriage. And and it's as Stacy mentioned before, it it just really goes to our identity, not even just as a woman or a man, but as as a person. Right. You know, that that somehow I am not worthy, I'm not lovable, you know, I'm not enough. And so um, we do encounter those those kinds of comments and requests for prayer, and that's when it's just so important to be with that person and to pray for them, to pray with them, and and to just reassure them of their goodness and and their worth in the eyes of the Lord. And in the eyes of their spouse, because mm. oftentimes these are these are things that we kind of create as we do as humans, right? We we come up with all sorts of stories and scenarios, you know, in our minds without ever sharing them with the other person. Right. <laughs> we have all these mm. thoughts about, well, this must be what they think, you know. But when we can share that with, especially with our spouse, I think we'll really find that that we're reassured in that love. And also that the Lord doesn't have good gifts because children are gifts. And so if mm-hmm. the Lord doesn't have children in store for your marriage, then does he not have good gifts for me? Right. That's, I think, another lie that we really struggle with. Right. Do you ever feel like like dealing with the lies and dealing, you know, with uh, many Catholics who do not understand the weight of fertility, me included, like I'm, you know, learning and I'm growing in that area as well. But do you ever feel like, people exclude you just because coming from the other side, having 10 kids, we are excluded often. Like, Mm. oh, that's too many people. Like those, yeah, her one kid, it's super, super wild. Like that's just too much. Like our family is too much. So like the exclusion 
And then it just becomes like this very lonely life. Like, mm-hmm. are you, do you find that you're excluded from things? Mm. Mary Jo, I'm so sorry that happened. <laughs> That's <you>. heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, let me regain my composure. <laughs> 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 Yes, that definitely happens. That's, I think, one of one of the losses that you recognize going through the journey because your lived experience is different than anything you ever expected. Right. Or experienced as a child. You know what I mean? This is what happened to my mom or your husband. This is what happened to my dad. Like, these are the things that I can expect in my own in my own life as an adult. And it's like, it's not those things, right? Absolutely. And so the dreams and the visions and the desires that you had are no longer able to come come to fruition the way that you imagined that they would. Right. And that, that doesn't mean that God is absent. Right. But just that he's fulfilling those desires in a totally different way than you ever thought would be possible is talking about that like that suffering of infertility how can that be experienced as gift let's ask ann this and <laughs> i'll regain myself yes. <laughs> yeah and yeah. we just we call tears holy water right that's holy spirit just like yes. pouring over and healing right every tear you cry is one you'll never have to cry again <laughs> oh i like that yeah amen so we welcome the tears yeah Thank you for adding the easy questions over to me. <laughs> um, You're the only one who hasn't cried, Anne. <laughs> right. I cry all the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel it all. Sorry. No, you're fine. So I would say that for myself at this point, which is much farther along on the path than, than Stacy. So I may not be crying tears now, but I have cried plenty of them. And sometime later today, I might spontaneously start to cry again because the interesting thing about walking through this journey, no matter how far along you are, is that those feelings surface when they will. And sometimes when you would expect that you would feel it really strongly, you're fine. And then at other times when, you know, you're saying, well, why is this moment or why is this commercial on television or whatever it might be impacting me so much? It's very mysterious. And I think equally as mysterious is the fact that infertility does bring with it gifts. I want to acknowledge that for anyone who's with us right now, who's going through that struggle to hear those words that infertility can be a gift or brings gifts with it can be very difficult. And if that's not your experience right now, that is perfectly okay. For me, I have seen the gift of infertility mingled with that pain in my heart. I think about St. Paul describing that thorn 
that the Lord placed in his flesh. Mm-hmm. And he cries out and he says, can you remove it? And he talks about how, how many times he's asked God to remove it. And God says, no, my grace is enough for you. And I think about that with my own path of infertility, that the pain is not so near the surface as it was even a year or two or three ago. But the thorn is there to kind of pierce my flesh at certain moments so that I can remember really what that pain was like so that my heart can be more open to the pain of another person. I'm not saying that I do that perfectly. I'm not a perfectly compassionate person, but I definitely think that having gone through this experience and still walking it to some degree has opened up my heart in a way that I think it may not have been had I not gone through this. I've often said, and this might sound really kind of callous, but if I had not had this experience of infertility, I probably wouldn't care too much about infertility. Right. Right. I might feel bad for somebody. I might be the one looking at somebody, oh, with that pathetic look. Absolutely. No, but I wouldn't really feel it in my heart. (laughs) Before this. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. I just want to say, like, I am not, like, totally innocent, like, in that scenario. I think that, like, I don't want to give that impression. I Like, I have not always been compassionate I think towards suffering and and that's one of the gifts of infertility is to be able to recognize more deeply suffering in another than I ever was before and I'm sorry Anne for cutting you off (laughs) (laughs) no that that's that's a great point and the fact that you said suffering in another because what happens is that it's not just being more attuned to infertility suffering Mm. it's helping me to be more attuned to other people where, you know, whatever they're going through, whatever their particular suffering or difficulty might be in the moment. And so, again, I'm not perfect at this, but where before I might have sort of been annoyed at, oh, this person's problem again, or whatever it might be, you know, that thorn will pierce me a little bit and say, Anne, remember, remember your own suffering, your own feeling of isolation. Mm of not belonging, of not feeling heard and understood. And so I think part of the Christian walk is having that thorn, whatever it might be, that reminds us that we are made for communion. We're not made to just be individual people walking around looking for our own happiness. Amen. Yes. But we're made for communion. And so we all need to be reminded in that way that we are made for each other and Mm -hmm. to carry to some degree and to walk with each other through the joy as well as through the suffering. Mm, That's beautiful. I think also when we talk about infertility as gift, it can be easy to think in terms of like, tangibles like oh you have the gift of time right oh you have the gift of maybe more money because you don't have to spend it on on children and things like that and and that doesn't get to the heart of it and that's also not true in many circumstances i think those assumptions can be made which can be 
harmful. Mm -hmm. But it's it's in the gift of this suffering that actually I pulled out some Elizabeth Lister. She's one of my favorites who experienced infertility. She is a servant of God. But she talks about her sorrows of life are trials. Her trials, illnesses, and painful infirmities are dear companions who have been mm-hmm. faithful to her. She doesn't reject them. She loves them because there are other aspects of the true love, how she's united to the Holy Cross and how mm-hmm. she can work for the conversion of souls. And so it's it's in that that suffering, really, that that like just as you love your children, like you begin to love because Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because it's it's through that suffering that the Lord is inviting you to know him more deeply. Right. In an almost like an intimate way that most women are never invited to. Right. It's like a private party. <laughs> because it's so because it's so intimate. That's right. the nature it of is. it. It's right. so intimate in so many different ways. Not just with you and the Lord, but with you and your husband, you know, in your intimacy in the marriage. Yes. You know, it's like it's all of those things. All of those things. And did you want to expand on that or share anything else? You know, the tears are hard, but one of the things that we say in this ministry is that, well, our, we have a sort of tagline that it's our honor to walk with you. Mm. And it's also our honor to receive those tears. And, you know, so many of us cry privately or we cry, you know, with our husbands or we just cry on our own when there's no one around, when we're just feeling the the weight of it all. And being able to have a community of other people who are on this path, our experiences are all obviously unique to us, but there are these common threads mm-hmm. that hold us together. And being able to entrust ourselves to each other entrust those tears and to know that they will be received with love is so critical to breaking this isolation and and I think this stigma are around infertility which especially exists in the Catholic space absolutely because of the emphasis on on families which there should be, you know. Right, right. So so to be able to have a community where we can sort of let ourselves be seen and known as we are and then lift it up and 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 we walk with each other because we want to keep moving forward. We want to give that time and that space for for the grief and the tears, but we want to keep moving forward toward Christ. And and that's I think one of the biggest gifts that I've found from this ministry. I did not know that was one of your taglines. So our mission statement is for kingdom builders, walking with women and the light of God's love mm-hmm. as he unveils mm-hmm. their worth and authority. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's very similar. Because especially with women, like their worth and their authority outside of whatever type of suffering is happening, that has been like not something that's been honored properly. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And, and even I go and speak to seminaries. Those priests, future priests, want to know, h- how do we support our lay women and the church? Like, they want to know, they're, they, but they're just not sure what to do. And so just like them desiring to know and desiring to try something different, because a lot of times you have to try something different 
is it if this is an issue in your parish, like how do you love women there? Or, you know, what whatever it takes for women to feel loved so that they know that they're worth it matters and that they have the authority as a beloved daughter of the king. When you're thinking about for the people on the that are not struggling with infertility, we have other struggles, but let's say I am newly pregnant and I'm like, oh, Stacy's my good friend. Mm. How does someone who has a close friend or family that has a new baby, that a baby shower, you know, like newly pregnant, how would be the best way for someone like that to go about expressing what is happening? Stacy, you want to start with that? It's not going to be the same answer for every person. Yeah. But a lot of women will say that they prefer, like with a pregnancy announcement, they prefer a text message, especially before before it gets announced publicly. Right. And it gives them a chance to sort of like process that grief in a private way. So right. like if you were to get a phone call or someone tells you in person and your reaction, because you don't always get to control your grief, is like sadness. It, it gets it's hard to sort of mask that. And it's not as though that you're sad for them. Like you're happy right. and excited for that. And 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 you know, it's it's a gift. But it also sort of holds up a mirror towards your own experience. And if you're still like trying to work through some of that. And I mean, like, I'm a, a weeping mess today. I don't think I've cried about our infertility in a long time. So I, <laughs> I didn't come to this expecting. Yes. So you don't know, like, you don't even know yourself sometimes where you're going to be at when that pregnancy announcement hits you. And so so to do it in a private way. And there's been instances where, like, friends have pulled us aside and, like, both my husband and I and had, like, a one-on-one conversation and it was probably one of the most beautiful experiences. Th- those friends particularly had suffered their own loss. And I think that they could be particularly sensitive to us in that moment. And so it was a huge gift. But generally, um, a text message. Some women have said they would like a handwritten letter. I don't really expect wow, that from okay. people. But <laughs> right. But if they're but close could, enough. If you're right. close, enough, close enough, then sure. absolutely, yeah, right. you could do that. But just giving that couple or that person space to and and to not like set expectations for what their response ought to be. There's no like you can't have expectations for your grief. It just is expressed. That's all you can do with it. Right. And as far as like showers and things, um, again, just like giving them space. If if they're in a place where they feel like they can attend, then that's beautiful. But if they're not, then just like give them the freedom to like discern that themselves because right. they they might not be in, in a place where they're able to participate in the shower or or whatever. And so just allowing space for that to happen. Yeah. And would you add anything to that? Yeah, I guess I would come at it from the opposite side from the person who is going through this struggle. And I think being in relationship with people in your family, with close friends, I mean, these things should be shared in relationship. And so I would say for those who are struggling with infertility, it, it can be very difficult to to share. But especially if you know that you have family members who are newly married or friends who you know have been trying to get pregnant, to to talk to them and to say, look, this is our struggle. I love you and I'm praying for you and your family. 
but I want to share with you that this is how I would like to hear about a pregnancy. I think, you know, that openness and honesty will benefit both your friend or family member and and yourself. As far as sort of acquaintances or, you know, I have a thousand friends and, you know, 999 of them are on Facebook and I've never met them. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, social media, as we all know, can be great, but it can also be kind of emotionally rough. Right. And so if you, if you have people on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, you know, that you're friends with, but not close with, it's okay. You don't need to unfriend people, but it's okay to to mute those connections if you see a pregnancy announcement or a baby shower pop up. It's okay to to kind of set that aside and and not look at it. In fact, I think it's healthy for us to do that. Social media already has this really unrealistic. Yep. Portrayal mm-hmm. of people's lives. Right. And so, you know, that's detrimental enough. Mm-hmm. But I think just to sort of save ourselves from having to see these posts, you know, come right. up as we scroll, I think it's perfectly okay to set that boundary and to just kind of mute that so that you don't have to be constantly reminded of it. I love that. No, because we don't have to keep entering into that. The one thing that we've found over and over praying with women is the spirit of comparison, mm. how mm-hmm. much the enemy crushes who we are. We forget our worth. We forget our authority. We forget our the beauty of our own design, mm. not from what we do, but for who we are. Like, I just remember looking at that and thinking, man, how does she have like coordinating diaper, diaper bags and sippy cups and her car is clean? <laughs> and I was like, I'm a hot mess over here. Like, I, I can't compare to that. And I'd feel bad the rest of the day and yell at my kids because they're so messy. It's like, what is that? That's just Satan stealing our joy, right? So it's like, yeah, so often I'm like, okay, I'm not going to enter into that. Like, this is not this is not who God designed me to be. And I'm happy for them, but that's not who God designed me to be. I have a friend who just had a baby recently, and she said that all these people kept asking her what her nursery theme was. And she's like, the theme is nursery. <laughs> She's like, why? Why is this? Why is there so much pressure? Yes. She's like, there's a crib. Right. There's a diaper table. Like, it's nursery. It's a nursery thing. I love it. But yeah, social media just really intensifies all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So flipping over to like your marriage, because like as women, you know, even though we cry and it feels like I wish I had just had like an off button or I could just stop my tears, but I don't. I cry all the time and I've just accepted. It's like Holy Spirit tears. So that's one of the ways the Holy Spirit comes is in water. So gift that's of my sensitivity. <laughs> right. I'm very sensitive and I love like almost too easily. I just attach and love people. But when you're talking about like for women, like it's it's a little bit more acceptable for us to like, you know, to cry. It's not for men. So how have your husbands found a way through their grief? I think it's so, yeah, socially, like it's weird for people when men cry. But I also think, too, it might just, it, some of it is like men process grief differently than women. Right. And and for them, that might not mean tears. And thank God for that. What if both of us were like <laughs> this? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and so there is this real experience as a woman, though, when you are going through this, when you're in the depths depth of those tears. 
and you turn to your husband and he is just this stoic, steady rock and you're like, what is wrong with you or what is wrong with me? Because our experience is totally different. Sure. And so it takes, well, I mean, like, I've been so grateful to have Springs in the Desert sort of walk me through some of these things and to recognize and honor my husband for the way that he experiences it that's different than me. But then to also ask those questions and talk through them and, and yeah, just, just to spend time, I think, like, understanding who my husband is and, and how God created him and knowing and trusting that he is processing it in his own way and then inviting him into what I'm going through because I need him. Like, right. I, it's not helpful for him to be this, like, distant person, uninvolved. And so it, it took me sort of expressing to him, like, I can't do the charting and I can't go to appointments by myself because in the beginning I was like, oh, I'm going to be this, like, this infertility warrior and I'm going to do all the things and all all the things my doctor says and the surgeries and the the treatments and medications and all of those things. And it's just more than one person can handle. Exactly. And you can't do it by yourself. So so to recognize like, okay, the fact that you are like this with all the tears, like that's a gift. But also I want to like, I need you to walk with me through all of this. And so we've been able to become like a more united front in in response to the experience. And so like he comes to all my appointments with me. I do not go alone because I can't do it anymore. And to recognize in myself, like I wasn't meant to do this by myself. And, and so, and I know, but I know that's not true for all couples. Like we are blessed to be able to do that. It might not be a real experience for everyone because some people are seeing doctors that are hours from their home. Ours is 10 minutes from us. But, but so, when they're available, that he's there with that you. he's there. Right. Sure. Going through it. Or at least, like, following up. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. come to, like, my family practice. Right, right, right. Appointments. He goes to my OB appointments. But I still have conversations with him about those afterwards. And then making the, the work of charting, something that both of us are involved in, has been really helpful. And... Yeah, just just making him aware of those things. And I just want to affirm you for, like, communicating those needs to him. Because mm-hmm. as women, we just like, oh, I don't want to bother him. Like, oh, he's working. Or I, yes. I just should be able to do this on my own. It's like, uh-uh. We are one flesh. You're married. You're one flesh. And then there's, like, that little funny thing. Like, if—, if yeah, if the one if the if wife ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And it's true. Like the husband needs to be able to invest in his wife and hear her and be with her. And a lot of times, women we don't feel comfortable expressing our needs. So I just want to affirm you on being able to, to express your needs so that he can be present for you and knows to be present for you. He doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like he's really perceptive. But mm-hmm. there's times where I'm like, if I don't if I don't express this in words, he's not gonna. <laughs> Right. <laughs> He's not going to hear what I'm saying. Right. And so, and not to do it in like the heat of the moment or the height of the emotion, but to do it in like the, recognize your needs. What are the legitimate things that I can invite him to walk with me through? Right. And then to lay those out. And so, so he can like live up and rise up to that invitation. Right. And that's not, honestly, that's not just for infertility. That's, that's like, for, for honey, yeah. I'm working 12 hours today. Can you please do the dishes? Mm-hmm. And uh, like literally yesterday I texted him like, here's the list of things that 
I need you to do while I'm at work too. Go, girl. Communicating so well. But one one thing at a time, really, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. You know how, like, yeah. But, like, as a, as a woman, like, I've spent so many years of my marriage just being resentful that he didn't know what I wanted him to do mm. rather than communicating with him yes. what I wanted him to do. Because, mm. like, he's a wonderful man. But so strangely, he can't actually read my mind. You know, weird. He I don't he has know not, why they like, can't created do that, that talent yet, which so. is probably a good thing. It's probably that's probably a good, a good thing. thing. Anne, thank you. Yeah. A very huge blessing. <laughs> but Anne, what about for you and your marriage, your husband? Yeah, I I wanted to um, say that I think this is a really important part of the conversation because it can be a real area for conflict because we might be sort of ships passing in the night, not really recognizing or communicating how we're feeling or how we are sort of dealing with this infertility differently. So we have the male-female difference for sure. And oftentimes, you know, in our experience in the ministry, we find that, of course, men want to be fathers, right? They, you know, they want to, um, they want to raise up and nurture their own children. But so much of their sort of grief or sadness comes from just watching their wives and and seeing what we are going through and not being able to fix it, right. you know, not being able to to take that sadness to lift that burden from us. So there's that male female difference, and then just who we are as individuals, what we bring from our family of origin. I mean, it, it's it's all so complex. So it really is important for for us to communicate with each other. But in my own experience, you know, I I was sort of the most expressive and crying or lashing out and being angry and, you know, all of the different emotions. And my husband is just a more sort of steady person. He's he's very sensitive, but not always really vocal and expressive. Mm. And so that that would cause conflict sometimes because I assumed that that meant he didn't care right. as much as I did, right? But there's one particular time when a cousin of mine visited with his wife and their new baby. So we were all together here and, you know, I was holding the baby and took the baby in and, you know, kind of held him until he fell asleep. And I, it was one of those moments when I didn't collapse into a a puddle of tears, but I just felt just so good and so fulfilled, you know, in a real motherly way that here I was sort of taking care of this baby, not my own, but entrusted to me at that moment. And I, and I just felt so good and, and such a sense of joy and peace. But my, my husband was, I would say, unusually quiet. And he held the baby for a little while and, you know, cooed a little bit at him. But through the rest of the day, he, he really remained kind of quiet. And the next morning, I was sitting at the kitchen table. And before he left for work, he knelt down beside me and he just put his arms around me and he said, it hurts me too. Mm. And that was the most vulnerable and expressive I had ever seen him throughout this whole journey through infertility. And I didn't like to see him (laughs) feeling sad, of course, but it was an interesting sort of turning of the tables, I, I kind of got a taste of how he 
must be feeling when he sees me feeling so sad and so helpless. And so it it was hard, but it was also a really beautiful moment of intimacy right? and a great reminder to me, don't make assumptions about who your husband is or what he's feeling. Just know that he expresses differently. But I was so grateful for, for that moment that he could open up his heart and right. show it to me and you know i didn't i didn't even say anything i just embraced him and that was such an amazing moment of intimacy mm. and so there again is that idea of finding a gift in infertility that was truly a gift to be able to experience that closeness that's beautiful you might actually not know the story but stacy and i's husbands both work together and someone close to both of us i had a miscarriage and my husband was upset and Phil, Stacy's husband, didn't actually know what was going on at first. And when he found out, he wept with my husband. Mm. And they were, and they prayed together at work. And they don't work in like like the church; like they work <laughs> in a secular company. And so my husband comes home, and and he was, you know, upset about um, this person who had a miscarriage that's very close to us, and. And he said, it's the craziest thing. Phil stopped and cried with me, and we prayed together. Isn't that crazy? And I was like, that's so good. Like, if he had not walked that path, he would have not been able to support the other people at his work who were in that mm -hmm. suffering. And so when you're talking about gift, like, that was gift to us. It was incredibly beautiful. So, Ian, how does someone find out more about springs in the desert. <laughs> they come to our website, springsinthedesert.org. They can follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. They can come over and listen to our podcast, the Springs in the Desert podcast. And they can email us anytime with a question, with a prayer request, info at springsinthedesert.org. It's beautiful. And I just want to thank you, Stacey, for being here. Thank you for having us. This has been a total gift. Oh, and right back at you. Yeah. <laughs> and Anne, thank you for being here. Thank you. I, I wish I could have been there with you all together. What a beautiful opportunity for us to just be together and share as women. God is so good. There mm -hmm. have been tears shed today, but I just feel like they are just tears of healing. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So we just thank you, Father, for bringing us here today for raising awareness where Satan has brought darkness and shame that, that you just raise it up to light and to gift. We just praise you, Father, for all your gifts. We just ask you to bless these women here, to bless all our listeners, to bless all the marriages, especially those struggling with infertility. Make their gifts known to them and lay your peace and joy upon their hearts. Thanks so much for joining us. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.